0: I'm Maddie Orton, and you're listening to the Jersey Arts Podcast. Bradley Gibson has some big sandals to fill as the titular role in Disney's Hercules, premiering at Paper Mill Playhouse February 16th. But if anyone's ready to play the lovable demigod, it's him. As a child, Bradley was a huge fan of the 1997 animated Disney movie, and taking on the character has helped him find new meaning in and love for the story. You may know Bradley Gibson from the Broadway productions of Rock, and a Bronx Tale, Netflix's series The Partner Track, Hulu's Fire Island, or his run as another Disney protagonist, Simba in Broadway's The Lion King. We chatted about our love for the 1997 film, developing a well-known animated character for the stage, and what it feels like to star in a Disney production. Take a listen. Bradley, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you for taking the time. I know you guys are in the thick of rehearsals right now, so I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Happy to talk all things Hercules.
0: Me too. I've been singing Zero to Hero all morning and I
1: like. Can't
0: <laughs> <laughs> get it out of my head. Um, so, you're playing a character who was so huge when, when you and I were kids. What was your relationship to Disney's Hercules before this production?
1: You know, Hercules is the first movie, the first film that I was i was around six, seven years old when it came out. So I was at that perfect age where it was my movie. You know, I remember going to the movie theater with my mom. I remember being obsessed with it, having coloring books and toys and a birthday cake. And I think I had like a pillow in my room. And the first day the VHS came out, I had to get it. I was one of those kids that had to have the Disney VHS is the day it was released from the vault or whatever they called it on those commercials. Oh
0: yes, right. So it
1: was very important to me. And it was very um important because it was the first time too I saw people of color in an animated Disney film, right? Those Go muses on. looked like oh. my mom and my aunties and and it felt oh. so familiar that music, that sort of gospel-esque score by Alan Minken and David Zippel. So the movie was really, really important to me. And I always, you know, looked at it as one of my favorite Disney movies. So
0: that's so cool to hear that you're a fan going in.
1: Yeah, a huge fan going in, huge fan going in. And I think for the longest time, you know, for the past year, we've been doing readings and workshops and whatnot of of the show. And because you work on it in that sort of isolated workspace, And everyone loves it, of course, but you're working on it and you really forget about what the public feels about it. It wasn't until recently, a few months ago, I sang Go the Distance at a a conference in Las Vegas for 2,000 people. And it was my first time singing for the public and not for Disney people or cast members, castmates. And everyone was either screaming or crying out of their chairs and i realized i was like oh wow people love this show besides me people love this song too besides me so yeah it's one of my favorites
0: oh it's such a fantastic score so did you for anybody who doesn't know hercules was performed sort of this initial stage version was done in 2019 in Central Park with the Public Theater's uh, production through their Public Works program. Did you get to see that production at all?
1: I did, actually, because I was in in Lion King at the time, and I injured my hand. So I was out of the show for about a month and a half. And during that time, Hercules was in performances, and I got a chance to see it. Um, And I loved it there, too. You know, It was also a very different production. It was one act. It was a cast of 200 people, and that ranged in ages from small children to, you know, people in their 80s, and it was a mix of community members of New York City and also professional actors, but still that, you know, that score and that story still rang true and still hits your heartstrings, and it, yeah, I loved it there as well. I saw the show and it was great.
0: So I also got to see the show. I was... Um... I was six months pregnant. I saw it with one of my best friends. Mm. And I don't know if this is because I was six months pregnant or because the show is just so amazing, but I just cried my face off.
1: Yeah, I'm for sure. For like the
0: show ended and then I cried for like another 10 minutes.
1: I just I'm loved sure, it I'm so sure. I'm sure. It's one of those stories that I think, you know, what Disney does best is that we can all find ourselves in the stories or find mm. people that we love or moments that really were either hard or happy, memorable moments that we see. We see our own stories in within these stories that I think now, you know, Hercules, Beauty and the Beast, the list goes on and on. These Disney films are kind of like, you know, American folk tales, you know, that are stories of hope and possibility. and, And yeah, I understand why you were in tears because I get so choked up. Every day in rehearsal and tech, I I, I'm actually grateful for the rehearsal process and the tech process because it allows me to have time with it where I'm not going to be, you know, a waterhead in the moment because I have to tell the story. It's not going to really work if I'm a crying (laughs) mess. (laughs) I need you to cry, not me. (laughs)
0: Oh, I love that! Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's also one of those shows where, because it's a film that's you know from the mid '90s, I I think you know I maybe put it away for a while and hadn't listened to that score in such a long time, and then picking it up, it was just this flood of like, this score is amazing, and this show is so great, and it's funny and it's smart. And it was like the nostalgia piece plus coming back as an adult and appreciating it with totally new eyes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That score, it's classic. Those Disney scores are classic. I think there's something, I don't know what Mr. Minken mm. has in his mind, but he is brilliant, right? Being able to really, it's classic. It never goes out of style. It always brings back that nostalgia, it's able to hook in young people, but also any age. We can all be entertained by it. We all can hear the message within it. He allows there to always be a message, but it's never it's never overdone, and it's never really like thrown in your face so hard that it's too much. It's, it's amazing, and that Hercules score is it's brilliant.
0: So you're bringing this beloved animated character to life. Are you pulling from the film for inspiration or do you just start completely fresh? How does that work?
1: You know, I there are elements of the film that I, I when I first started working on it, I, of course, went back to the film to watch it as an adult. Right. I haven't really like you. I didn't really watch it in in my young adult years, college, even like late high school. I hadn't really seen it in a very long time. Um, but like you, I watched it and I was like filled with nostalgia. And there, there's such great story there, but also there's such great comedy. Mm. What makes Hercules so great is there's such great comedy in this, this young man who is just, <laughs> I said in rehearsal one day to our director Lear, he just is doing too much, you know? <laughs> He's doing too much. And, that's, and the worst combination is being overly strong and doing too much. That's like a recipe oh. for disaster, right? So sure. there's a great comedy in there, you know, lifting something. And, you know, you break down a building because you just coughed or you just slightly lifted up a pillar or something. So I definitely watched the movie and wanted to pull some of that comedy and its physical, right? I think... Um, And and I felt that that was really important to incorporate. And just kind of trying to always, there's a beautiful, youthful essence that Hercules has. I think the reason why we can really tap into him and kind of go on that adventure with him is because, yes, he becomes a hero. Yes, he is strong. Yes, he's supposed to have muscles and whatnot. But also there's this beautiful, childlike, youthful essence to him that makes you just want the world for him, it makes you root for him, it makes you feel for him. And I wanted to make sure that that was there. Um So hmm. I, I definitely think, I'm sure the other people in the show as well, other cast members also looked at the film because like I said before, these films are classics and people have such nostalgia when they see them that I think that it would be a huge disservice if you didn't look at the film as great reference because it is so sure. great. Um, but also, with that being said, our our show is very different from the film because we get to really get in there and find that nuance in spaces that doesn't happen in a 90-minute cartoon, you know? Um, and there are themes within the show that are very, you know, they are very adult themes about life and about what happens in in the sad spaces of life. To get to the joyous spaces, what it means to go through, you know, hard times or go through heartbreak or go through not feeling like you belong somewhere. Those are really adult things that are really mature about, you know, about the world and about life and about growing up. So I think that I also didn't really have to look at the film because at this point in my life, I also have felt like Hercules, right? I've also had adversity, I've also dealt with, you know, not feeling like I belong, not feeling like I, I'm in a space that that is safe, not feeling like mm-hmm. people see me, right? I, I Something we found one day in rehearsal as we were sitting there talking about the script and really doing table work, doing that stuff that I as an actor love so much. I love to sit there with my castmates and the director and the writers and just talk about this script. We talked about this script as if it were, you know, Shakespeare. And that's what doing theater is, right? It's sitting there and dissecting it. And what we said one day we found is that, oh, wow, Hercules and all of these characters, the good ones, the bad ones, they are all just wanting to be seen. Hmm, They're all just wanting to be seen. They're all just wanting to be accepted. And that is so human and that is so real for, I'm sure, for any single person that's going to be sitting in the audience watching the show. So um, absolutely, I drew from the film, but also I drew from just that great book that Robert Horne and Kwame wrote and have been working on for the past couple of years.
0: And it's also, I mean, it is you know, it is a story of a Greek god that has maintained for generations and generations and generations. And there's a reason for that, I'm absolutely.
1: sure. Absolutely.
0: So when you're in the character of Hercules, obviously I think there is that super important character work of how you're coming into that place because there is such a, it's both a very human story, but also it is a story of a demigod, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or a god.
1: Demigod, trying to get to the god, singular place. <laughs> right.
0: But then the other piece of it is you as an actor, you I'm sure your physicality has to change a little bit because you know that if you touch a vase, it can crack in your hand, right?
1: Yeah, the physicality is really important. And I'm an actor, no matter what I'm playing, I always kind of work from the outside in, right? I think it's so important to to feel like what you're playing, whether it be how I physically look or what I'm wearing or how that character walks in the world, how they take up space. And for Hercules, you know, he is this young Man, I'll call him a young man, but I would sometimes say a young boy, right? He's on that cusp of like 18, 19 kind of years old, ready to leave the yes. nest. And he's incredibly strong, but has never been praised for that strength. He's only been made by most people in the world to feel incredibly small and to feel mm-hmm. incredibly unworthy. So that means that there's like an element of like being within yourself. Right. Or or also he's so open hearted and so joyous and just looking at the world. It's so incredible to play someone who just looks at the world in the way of, wow, everyone hates me. Everyone thinks I'm not enough. But all I know to do is just give them my heart and just to Mm. give them my kindness, to give them my joy. And if I do that, they're going to they're going to love me. They're going to love me. And to have someone constantly keep, you know, punching you down on that. That wears on you, but also he is, like I said, so joyous and so young and effervescent, and sees the bright side of life. So, you know, he's that person who walks through the world like, you know, like he just got a new job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of energy <laughs> match with his childlike innocence, match with his strength. So yeah, I, I the physicality is so important, and also showing the audience showing the audience what it looks like to kind of be overly developed in that way, right? Like what it means to touch a vase and it breaks, what it means to be (laughs) able to lift a pound of rubble or a huge bag of of rocks. (laughs) What does that look like to do that? Yeah, physicality is so important, especially in theater where you're performing for a, a huge house of people. So yeah, physicality is... Huge for her And
0: the sight gags there, I'm sure, are a blast.
1: Oh, it's a blast. I was telling our director earlier the other day, I was like, you know, I'm living my Carol Burnett fantasy. (laughs) There are moments my my Lucille Ball fantasy, you know what I mean? Physical comedy. And comedy is hard, right? You know, comedy Um, is more difficult than great drama. So getting it right and getting it all the beats correct, I'm still working on that and finding that. Cause I want it to really ring true and be funny, but man, the physical comedy in the show is so cool. They built some really, really cool things. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun.
0: The cast is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, yourself of course. And then also Shuler Hensley, who I, uh, I just saw in music man on Broadway plays uh, Hercules' nemesis, Hades. Yep. James Monroe Inglehart, who won the Tony for Genie in Aladdin on Broadway, and then obviously more recently in Hamilton, um, is is Phil, the wise cracking coach, who yeah. is a what is Phil?
1: He in the movie he is a half goat, half I can call him a satyr, right? Would you? Okay. Say? But in this version, he is not that. In this version, he is not that. He is not okay. that at all. So um, I think people will really, really surprised how, you know, because we're taking it out of the context of the cartoon, you get to give more life to these characters. And Large. James is also... Brilliant. He is brilliant. He is so, so good. I understand why. I feel like he is the most loved man on Broadway because you get into a room with him and you cannot help but fall in love with him. You cannot help but feel supported by him. Um, so, what he's bringing to Phil is just, it is life. So you're going to get to see a whole, this this is not the fill from the cartoon, but if you love the cartoon, there's also colors and flavors that's still there. But um, yeah.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, it, that must be such a great group of people to work with every day.
1: It's the best. And like you were saying, Shuler, Shuler is also brilliant. Shuler and James are both Tony Award winning actors. So, you know. I keep saying, I'm like, I'm, I, we're working with the best of the best here. Like, we all are bringing our A game. Those two men are great. Izzy, who plays Meg, is phenomenal. Every hmm. single um, female who is one of those muses, they are just knock, they will knock you out with their talent, oh. their beauty, their voices. It, yeah, the cast is Prime, prime A-list casting. And I'm just trying to to match their quality because I'm like, wow, (laughs) I I sit back and watch them. I'm like, let me bring my A-game because everybody up in here is the best.
0: Oh, that's so great. And then also, of course, Alan Menken's music. I mean, is he, have you gotten to meet and work with Alan Menken directly?
1: Yes. And actually, I did a Bronx Tale, the musical with Alan Menken. He did that score with Glenn Slater. So that was when I first got to meet in person and work with Alan Menken for that show. That's right. And then um, for Hercules, yeah, like I said, we've been doing labs and readings and whatnot for for almost a year now before we got into rehearsals for this production. So Alan's been a part of the process. And it's always so cool to get the chance to see Alan Menken, David Zippel, these icons of theater, of contemporary music, at work, you know, not just sitting there and watching, but there are moments when I got to witness Alan Menken at the piano, right? Like having ideas and talking to his team about how to arrange something. (laughs) And that's, Alan Menken is a genius. Yeah, that to me is
0: like, speaking of like Hercules being a demigod, I mean, in my world, Alan Menken is a demigod. (laughs) Like I I can't even imagine.
1: I agree. I was telling um, my husband and I were with dinner with friends the other day and I made a joke. I was like, I dare anyone to say that the Alamecan repertoire isn't good. Like, try it. You can't. That's not possible. That's not possible. There's. You have to find one song that you connect with that is your favorite. There is one song that makes you cry. There is one song that brings back a flood of nostalgia from your childhood Or or your child's childhood, you know, and at this point Mm -hmm. now, it's different generations that are experiencing Alan Menken music, right? You have oh, yeah, sure, parents of parents. It's it's so cool. It's yeah, Alan is a genius.
0: It also just like for for Alan Menken, he has a show at Paper Mill, he has Little Shop off Mm -hmm. Broadway, he just had Beauty and the Beast live on ABC, like. He is just, his music is everywhere, and it is so entrenched in our culture. And I just, I mean, it just, I can't even imagine working with him.
1: Yeah, I've told him multiple times that Alan Minken has had a, had a big hand in raising me, right? <laughs> I, I, rem- <laughs> I know there were so many moments. I remember so many moments as a little kid where, you know, how would you get Bradley to be quiet for a little while? Pop him. Beauty and the Beast, pop in Aladdin, pop in Hercules in the VHS and like, give give mom, give grandma a second to <laughs> give her a break.
0: <laughs> and this is not your first Disney musical, um, the same as it's not, it's not James Monroe Englehart's either. You were Simba in Lion King on Broadway. I was. What is that experience like? I just assume that a Disney musical experience must be just a little bit different than any other Broadway show.
1: Absolutely. You know, The Lion King was my first Broadway show. I saw it. Oh. Yeah. I saw it in high school with my um, choir on a field trip to New York City. And because I'm, I'm from North Carolina, it's a really small town, raised by my grandmother in a single parent home. Broadway was not accessible to me, right? It wasn't, we weren't coming to New York a lot. I had seen a couple of tours, but Lion King was my first Broadway show. And that is huge for me personally, right? Seeing a stage full of black and brown people, Mm -hmm. seeing a young man on stage playing Simba that looks like me, it opened my mind to the possibility that maybe I could do that too and how to like make sense of that. So to then, many years later, to be one of the Simbas in that long line of great mm. men that have played Simba, it, it is different. And it, you know, just re- replacing in a Broadway show is one thing. But I think replacing in The Lion King in a Disney show is different. The whole other thing, because, you know, you know that so many people that are coming into that theater, it's their first experience with a Broadway show. Maybe it's their first experience with theater, right? And The Lion King is a staple. One of the shows that if you come to New York as a tourist, you're probably going to see one of few shows. And one of those shows at the top of that list is The Lion King. And um, yeah, it was really special. It was really, really eye-opening for me. Just as it was sitting in the audience, it was eye-opening to stand on the stage and sing Mm. Hakuna Matata, to sing Endless Night, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, It was a big moment for me to also kind of just it was my first lead role on Broadway. I had played principal roles before. In a Bronx tale, I played um mm-hmm. supporting principal role. But, you know, Simba is a whole other thing, right? And it really was eye-opening for me to just I, I started doing it when I was around twenty seven. And I remember standing on stage one day and kind of thinking, Wow. I think it's time to keep dreaming bigger, right?
0: Wow, like yeah. let's
1: keep dreaming bigger, and I think that's just a testament too of that quote unquote Disney magic, right? I think one of the goals is to make you dream bigger and to and to hope and dream for the impossible. I'm grateful for the Lion King. I'm grateful that it it also showed me um the beauty of of theater family, right? Being in a show that is so long running, there are people in that building that have been there some since the very beginning, 20 some years ago.
0: Wow.
1: Right. So you have a a company of, of actors and crew members, stage management wardrobe that have been there for so long. Therefore they have, they are chosen family in a way they've experienced birth and death And the, you know, incredible highs and lows and holidays. And that was beautiful to experience in a show that is so... The Lion King, it just, it feels different because people from the audience from all over the world, and they all feel so attached to that story, that story about life, about understanding the circle of life how it it starts, how it ends. It is so powerful. And um, I I truly look at it as one of the great honors of my life because as I've been here in New York for a while now, I've gotten to know and love so many of the men that played Simba and Mufasa before oh, me, wow. right? So to just be in that list now, it that blows my mind. I was at the... Um, anniversary performance of The Lion King a few months ago. And mm-hmm. at the end of the show, they did this beautiful performance where they brought out every actor that has played young Simba and young Nala since the beginning oh. of the show. And they all wore um, like caps and gowns like they were graduating. And they sang this beautiful song from the show. And they had like a, a sort of like a film that came down on the screen. Oh, wow. And to look at all of those people that are now, you know, some are my age and some are very, very young to have all come through that show. All of these black and brown young women and young men. It's just, The Lion King is a special, special, special show.
0: Oh, Oh, I love that so much. I guess a show like Hercules, the thought is that that could also maybe move to Broadway. Is that a conversation that people are having?
1: You know, I know people are talking about it in the world, right? I think people want it. (laughs) People are talking about it it
0: on this podcast right now.
1: (laughs) on this podcast right now, people are talking about it. And, you know, would I love to see that? Yes, but I have not heard anything about that. I know that we are doing a show at Paper Mill, and people must get their tickets. They must get their tickets because I keep telling friends and family, I'm like, y'all, I keep warning y'all. Every day I go to rehearsal and hear these people singing and acting. Mm. I've seen the set. I've seen the amazing costumes. You do not want to miss it. And if you do miss it, you're going to be mad. You're going to be upset.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't want
1: anybody to be upset. So
0: everybody, go see Hercules at Paper Mill. Bradley, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. What a joy.
0: Disney's Hercules runs from February 16th through March 19th at Paper Mill Playhouse. For more information, visit papermill.org. If you liked this episode, be sure to give us a review, subscribe, and tell your friends. A transcript of this podcast, as well as links to related content and more about the arts in New Jersey, can be found on jerseyarts.com. The Jersey Arts Podcast is presented by Art Pride New Jersey, advancing a state of creativity since 1986. This show is co-founded by and currently supported by funds from the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, with additional support from the National Endowment for the Arts. This episode was hosted, produced, and edited by yours truly, Maddie Orton. Executive producers are Jim Atkinson and C. Stroud. Special thanks to Bradley Gibson. I'm Maddie Orton for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening.